everybody. Thanks for listening to the AmCast. My name is Chris, and this is... Erica. And we're talking about ministry things specifically to young adults. If you need more information, go to parkhillschurch.com or... You can find us on the App Store, any of them, at Park Hills Church. So, my name is Erica. Hi, Erica. This is Christopher. Hi. Well, Chris, nobody calls him Christopher. So we've known each other for quite some time, since I was in high school. So, and we've worked together this last year and enjoy doing so and think we're kind of funny. So we decided let's do a podcast. We think we're funny. (laughs) We also connect well and we have different gifts when it comes to teaching people Bible things. And I think the other thing is we're both very passionate about, we would say next generation, although they're much closer to us in age than perhaps we feel. Mm -hmm. Right. It's true. Mm -hmm. We're getting older and we're looking at young adults and young college students and, and high school students. Neither one of us are scholars. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> not. Not a scholar. So we're not scholars. However, I think we do have, we have an education in our, yes. like we actually know stuff. So we're not we just do. like total morons walking into this. But at the same time, I want to make this practical so that a high school student could listen to mm-hmm. it and go, mm-hmm. holy cow, I did not see that there before. That's super helpful. So basic storyline of scripture. Let's start there. That's very so broad. When, when I, well, we're going to talk specifically here from the, the Israelite perspective, right? Because if you don't know yet, the, the goal of what we're going to teach our young adult and college group this year is we're going to walk through the book of Judges. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to walk through the book of Judges, none of it's going to make sense if you don't understand the basic storyline of Israel. So we're not talking here about the basic storyline of the whole Bible. God gives Abram this holy mark called circumcision, and he asks him to live by faith. And ultimately, he, his ex- expectation of Abram is not that Abram would be perfect, because trust me, he's not, but that Abram would live by, uh, there's a scholar that I follow called Dr. Michael Heiser, and what he, one of the things he says is what we would call believing loyalty. The idea is that Abram can't serve another god. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. He's going to be loyal to, to, to Yahweh, yeah. to this, this god. And in so doing, he's going to live differently than the people around him. But if he fails... He's not saved because he does things. He's saved because God has chosen him. And so as long God, as he, as long as he maintains believing mm-hmm. or fealty to God, then he's going to be blessed in a mighty way. All that to say, we skip forward a little bit. God, his ultimate intention for the Israelites is that they would be the people that people could see and go, that's what God looks like. That's what God, that's what it feels like to follow God. That's what God is trying to do on this planet. And their goal was ultimately to change this promised land that they had, which is really just a desert area. And the goal was that they would, by following God, they would create a, a garden, uh, so to yeah. speak. A, okay. Well, which kind of goes back to the Genesis 1 and 2 concept, right? This yeah. idea of that they were going to create a space on the planet where God not only existed, but God led them and showed them what it looked like to follow. So we call that the promised land. And so they go to Egypt, and then after... A period of time, they they leave Egypt finally under the you know the the leading of Moses, and they go off in the desert, and then they they rebel actually against God. And after forty years, then they actually get access to the Promised Land, and then but God gives them the ability to then fight and do what needs to be done to clear out the land, which is full of all kinds of ridiculous rebelliousness. And so the the Canaanites, the Amorites, some of these names that you hear, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing actually. God tells Abram in, in Genesis. I am going to give you the land, mm-hmm. but their sin hasn't reached its full measure. So he actually gives them 400 years 
to get themselves straight and they don't do it. So at that point, God goes, here's my people. We're going to wipe the land clean. Which we and, often don't see that. And we're going to start it. Right. We just see killing. He we, just wiped we hear them words out. like genocide yeah. used yeah. today, which isn't even close to really what's happening. We'll get into that eventually with the book of Which just shows more grace. But they, they start clearing out parts of the land. They don't quite get there. And that leaves us at the foot, like, you know, the, the, the doorstep of, of, of judges. Judges, yeah. The idea is that that whole book is all set up by this whole concept. So we have, you know, God choosing his people, God giving the land to his people. His people are supposed to clear the land and start to actually do their job. And what happens is there's this constant question of Israel. Are they going to trust God or are they going to do things their own way? Which we would call that doing things. In their, what's right in their yep, own eyes is really the idea eyes, yeah. that judges sort of All the time. Out. So all that leads us to Joshua 24 is kind of where we would leave off from the grand storyline leading into judges. Joshua asks questions. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Who are mm-hmm. you going to serve? And Israel has a question there. Are we going to serve God? And they actually say, we're going to follow the covenant and we're going to take the land. We're going to do what we're supposed to do. And it's less than a generation away. And they just totally lose track of all of that. And they do nothing. Man, Com- so forgetful. It's ridiculous, right? We all are. But and yeah. I think we all look at that and go, oh, what a bunch of idiots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's us. Yep. All right. So that's the basic storyline. All right. So, Christopher, as we take a deeper dive. Deeper dive. The deeper dive. <laughs> As we take a deeper dive into Judges, what do we need to know before we break open this book? Like, what is key? Yeah, I think anytime you're going to dive into a book, the overall narrative structure of Scripture is important to consider. So I'm going to frame it this way with Judges. Let's go back to the beginning. God created man as a unique being. the very beginning. All right. (laughs) In the beginning. (laughs) God made man to be a very unique piece of creation. Uh, Man was the last thing created, Mm -hmm. and then he was given the authority to rule and ultimately have dominion over the earth. And so this is kind of trippy, and I'm still kind of processing this information, but God wasn't around all the time. In and out. Like he came and went for walks with Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve, but he wasn't, they were in his presence, but it's almost like, the garden might have been so big that, he, that they wouldn't have been. In his, hmm. I don't know how that works, but he's coming to look for them when they're hiding. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? There's probably that wonders if it's he ends up like manifesting himself as right. Jesus. I don't know. But that could, um. <laughs> that could be what it is. Yeah. Or it could be that he's purposefully not yeah. there all the time. But because here's why this matters. If he says you're to rule and have dominion over the earth, that doesn't make any sense if God's everywhere at all times doing. He'd be basically the king, like. Well, he is. I mean, he, yes, he, yes, he, but you know right. what I mean. But that's that's yeah. the good point. Like he's not. He would not, be the one ruling. God isn't not the king. Like there's never a point when he's not. Very true. Yes. But his goal is to let humans be his imagers, to be his, his handy workers. To do his. So there's there's well. some there's some scholars that actually have made the case that what what humans' job was is to take the Garden of Eden and build them all over the world. Oh, that's cool. Idea. And like the Bible uh, Project podcast, they actually talked about it's kind of our manifest destiny to manifest plant, destiny? plant on like Mars. And like we're supposed to mm. go throughout all of space imaging God in those places. Interesting. Crazy idea. But why if there's because nobody God there? God made us a huge universe okay. and we're supposed to just okay. conquer it. I but, mean, we're making strides to get to those places. Right. But... 
So he made beings, mm -hmm. but then he also made a space for those beings to exist. So, he, so here's kind of the point that I want you to think through. From the very beginning, you have God sort of at the top of a triangle. Mm -hmm. And this is from Christopher Wright and a couple of other really great Old Testament scholars. God's at the top of the triangle. Then uh, humans, the people of God, the mm -hmm. ones who have been chosen by him to be a part of it, which Adam and Eve were the first ones that were chosen yeah. by him. And then the land. Yeah. You, you with me? Yeah. So you've yeah. got God, you've got humans, you've got the land. And those three things are supposed to work in unison. What happens right away is Adam and Eve are kicked out of the land because of their sin. Mm -hmm. And that separates their relationship with God. And it separates their relationship with each other. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. it says that all of a sudden that they, they feel shame being naked next to each other, mm -hmm. which isn't supposed to happen when you're in a marriage relationship. So right from the get-go, all of those relationships are fractured. And there's an element of the Old Testament that there's one coming who's going to realign all of that. And basically, so here's why this matters for judges. Mm -hmm. There's always the need for a leader who's going to bind land to the people and to God. You with me mm -hmm. with the imagery here? Yeah, well, and I think what's hard is we don't think of land no often at all and it right. reminds me of romans which were, i think is romans 8 where he talks about them being in childbirth like yeah that there's pains and in, in that land also wants to be reconciled yep so anyways creation yeah he's yeah he's saying creation is groaning to get things right yes, again yes, it's totally yeah. broken mm -hmm. that's the idea the idea is that this earth was supposed to be the space where god and humans connect and all it was supposed to just be good. this beautiful relationship mm -hmm. now the thing is there has to be because the, the the relationships are severed. There has to be an individual that's gonna that's gonna connect them all again, right? Why does it have to be an individual? Well, without going too far into the story, but this this kind of plays into the narrative. Mm -hmm. That's the goal of the judges. Is to be that person. They they break the bondage of the land, okay. because the Philistines are holding on to it, or the Canaanites or whoever mm -hmm. whoever they're gonna fight. Those people are in a place they're not supposed to be. And the people are broken from their relationship with God because these other people are telling them to worship their God. Mm -hmm. so, the, so you see what I'm saying? So there needs to be someone that's going to rise up and sort of lead the people back to having... Repentance. Yeah, and, and yeah, having, yeah. having safety or, or like union with the land, union with each other, and union with God. It's almost like a shadow of what's supposed to come. Right. Yeah. Well, so the rulers, these judges are the first in this time frame. Yeah, yeah. So when we get to judges, we're already going to have talked about, if you're following the narrative, you're already going to notice that what is what is Abram's promise? You're going to be a great people, and I'm going to give you land. Mm -hmm. And that's God promising him. So Abram's filling that slot, so to speak. Moses, what's Moses' job? To get them to the land, mm -hmm. to draw the people back to each other, and to point them to God. So Moses mm -hmm. is sort of filling this role of the, the ruler that's going to help them get to where they're supposed to go. But after Moses is Joshua, Joshua does a great job. And then we move into Judges. There's no ruler. And they kind of suck. Right. They totally <laughs> suck. And the, po the point is... They I mean, need... the people do too, but, you know. Well, totally. But they, they, they need someone to sort of fix that part of it for them. Yes. Which, of course, speaks then to a king that's going to come, David, yes. who's going to do this yes. in a way that no one else has done it. And then if you're looking way forward, you're talking about Jesus... But Jesus, Jesus has done what he needs to do, but it's not finished yet, right? 
So there's this already not yet concept in the New Testament yes, saying yeah. we haven't been given the the space where God dwells yet. That's coming in Revelation 21 mm. and 22. And in that place, like all of our relationships are not fractured anymore. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. and we got this relationship with God. So that's that's a framework of the Old Testament that, that goes throughout the whole Bible, and it matters in Judges because of what we just like what we just talked about. So that's kind of the way to pull it all together. Think about it that way: that man, because of Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Uh, which is just let us make man in our own image, and then you'll have rule and dominion over the whole planet. Uh, that's what he was intending them to do. We're his imagers, uh, but we're supposed to be his imagers in a space that he's created, but we broke it. As we do. Because we're awesome at that. Because we... <laughs> we suck. Yeah. But one thing we don't suck at is breaking things. True. That's twisting, a good twisting them. point. We are really good at not... So if you're looking at the, the bright side, right. <laughs> you know, the silver lining... Here's the good news. Give us something you're and we'll twist it. You're a complete failure. Here's we'll the bad it. news. You're a failure. Mm-hmm. But you're really good at it. But you're really good at it. So like, good on you, right? No, I don't think anyone would say good on you. But... Das Vidanya? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, squash Vidanya? I don't know. Lanking? Lanking. Um, so all of these elements <laughs> that, you have, that you've talked about all come at a head, basically, in Judges, right? Or they all come yeah. and lead us into... Yeah, well, I mean, think about it this way. The book of Judges makes sense in my mind because they're in the land, but it's not conquered yet. They haven't done what they're supposed to do completely. Their relationship with God is fractured because they haven't conquered the land yet. So they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so then therefore this this whole thing is broken. And so then what do they need? They need a ruler to rise up and fix the situation. And what's amazing is in the book of Judges, the number of the individuals who do it are absolute trash bits. I mean, they're like dumb. They're the trash bits. They're dumpster fires of people. <laughs> Never heard them before. You know, they're just total they're just dumpster. trash bits. Yeah. Oh, dude, they're that terrible. That juice at the bottom. Yeah. That's really gross. I'm sorry. I mean, let's just the forecast. Let me forecast for a second. <laughs> I mean, Gideon is is so doubting. We're totally going into some raw material. That he's kind of, he's kind <laughs> of asking all the time, is this really what you want to do? Kind of like Moses. Yeah. At least in the beginning. Yeah, you're right. He's following Moses' footsteps there. Uh, Samson is a womanizer who is breaking his Nazarite vow virtually every single turn of the page, who lit a village on fire because his wife, uh, you know, got stolen from him. Which he has some cool things. I'm not going to lie. Some of the things. If you want to be a warrior king, Samson's pretty close. How does how does someone think I'm going to light? I'm going to tie these foxes together (laughs) and light their tail. Like that's clever. Like that's pretty stinking clever. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's a bit of an escalation compared to what's happening before. So my point is, the judges are absolute trash. However, God uses them to serve his purposes and Which reunite the people. But that's God. I know. It's that's just crazy. He uses the junk. He uses the trash bits. That's what he does, man. He uses the trash bits. Totally. Why, why, is it, like, why can't we just jump into judges? Like, Why do we have to know where we're g- coming from? Like, Why does all of that matter? Because not all the books of the Bible even go in order. So, like, why does it matter if I look look into the beginning or before? Yeah, there are so many nerdy answers to that question. Because I could, we could go on for hours about why it matters. I, I'm going to try to keep it short in, in just a couple of ways. One, I think it's important because Scripture, when it was put together in its final form, as was, the Bible, you mean? Yes. As in, okay, the canonized. Well, just think about it. Yes. I mean, up okay. until I that just, point, yeah. I, don't, I guess maybe most people don't think about it this way, so let me just meander on that for just a second. I think most people just think it just kind of almost fell out of heaven 
But it was, yeah. but then it was organized by people, right? I mean, if the book of Judges is a bunch of random stories that were all compiled into a book, which is mm-hmm. probably what happened, then that book had to get put somewhere. So why did they choose Joshua and Ruth to be the, the bookends of Judges? Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why they put it where they did. Do you know what I'm saying? So, 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 okay, yeah. so here's what I'm saying. So the first thing is it, when I got put together in its final form, there's a clear reason for that. So then it's important to know what's around it because it's, it's speaking into it. So Joshua is speaking into Judges because it's right before that. And Ruth is speaking into Judges because Ruth happens during that time. Mm-hmm. So when you're a kid and you're learning, you know, Jesh, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you know, and you get Joshua, Judges, Ruth. I don't think we think about why that matters, but it totally matters. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, uh, so the, the, that's kind of the first thing is it matters where it is in the Bible. Second, it matters because it's all a story that's woven together. Like God is bringing this beautiful narrative together. So when you see something like in Genesis 1, God created this and it was good. God created this and it was good. God created a tree in the garden and said it was good. You can eat from this tree, but you can't eat from this tree. Mm -hmm. It's good of you to do this. The very first thing the serpent does is push on that. And then what does the woman say? I see that the fruit is good. So she takes a bite. Well, then when we get to Judges, when you read everyone did what was right or what was good in their own eyes, Mm -hmm. that's pulling from somewhere else. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's what's key too is it's not, they aren't standalone books. Right. Um, and they and they are, I mean, they're not all a narrative. They all together can be a narrative, but some yeah, of them, yeah. some of them could be, you know, like I can take a proverb and, you know, just dwell on that. Right. Um, and you could read Judges on its own yes. and kind of understand what's happening. Yes. But, but, then but if you, you miss some of it because so it does you, pull from started, other parts. But if you open your Bible up and just read Judges, I think you could understand what Judges was. If you closed Judges and then went back and started in Genesis and read back through Judges that time, Judges will mean more to you than it did the mm-hmm. first time. And then if you closed your Bible again and opened it again and started reading from Genesis to Judges again, it's going to mean more. Like the, yes. the idea of the Bible is it's supposed to be just constantly read and processed. And as we process it, we'll notice things and we'll see the way that it's all kind of tying together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's huge. I mean, the, the idea of first... That it matters how it was compiled. There's something happening there that's, that's intentional, so we need to think that through. Second, context matters because it's pulling from all these other books and it's trying to make sense of it. And then I think third, the reason why context matters so much is if you don't know the rest of the story, some of this is going to seem really, really wild. Mm-hmm. And I'll I, maybe we should like warn the listeners. We do know the story of Judges, and we know most of the story of the Bible, and Judges is still trippy. It is still weird. So... But I guarantee it's less trippy if you know what's going on other places and what it's trying to speak toward. Mm-hmm. So some scholars believe Judges was written uh, just after the kingdom was connected, sort of as a, a way of saying, this is why we have a king today, right? Because mm-hmm. be, there's a couple of phrases in Judges like, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And then the other way that that's said is, there was no king in those days, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Oh, because they didn't have a leader. It almost seems okay. like a propaganda piece to say. This is what, why you need a leader. Right. Some okay. liberal scholars would say, it's not God's word. What they just People wrote it down. So we, we obviously disagree with that. We believe this yes. is absolutely God's word. We believe God brought it together for a reason. And I think when you look at Judges, God brought it together for the purpose of saying, this is what... If you, if you do what is right in your own eyes, it goes badly for you. I will bring about the rulers as necessary to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. But really, I should be the ruler that's running the show. Yeah. But you've given up on me. And so then a few chapters after this, they're going to ask for a king. 
and God's going to give them the king that they're looking for, a tall, powerful yes, man. And the Saul, looks of a king, right, which is what we he's, all He's a head taller than everybody else. On. And then what's, what's ironic is he's going to then use a little boy to kill a giant because the tall king can't, can't do it. That's <laughs> kind of crazy. But that's the story. It is. And Judges is speaking to that without you even realizing it. Mm. So the context matters for that reason. So it's not, you can't just grab one book out and just read it by itself. The Bible's meant to be read over and over and over again. So, you know, uh, I don't know, are you a Twilight fan? Um, I no, mean, ish. I've watched them. I haven't read <laughs> I mean, anything. I, mean, I guess I mean the books. No, but, but I, I so did not read apparently, those. Apparently, and I, I've never read the books because I don't really care to, but there's other books I can think of like this where if I read... I'm a Harry Potter fan. Does okay. that does that sure? So if you read the uh, I do not read them out of order if that's what you're asking. That's what I'm saying. Because so that's if, crazy talk. So if you pulled out the sixth <laughs> book and you started reading it, yeah, and you're like, huh? You'd be like, who's Professor Snape? You'd have no idea. Totally. Like, you're like why is Snape matter? Why does it matter why that he is, is the half blood prince? Spoiler alert. Sorry. Just if you're just reading the early <laughs> Harry Potter's, Erica just spoiled the whole thing for you. But that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. And we treat the Bible like it's that, mm -hmm. where we're, we're just allowed to pull from it. But what's crazy, too, is you could read the whole Harry Potter series or Twilight or, you know, less evil books, uh, <coughs> evil. Uh, <laughs> you could pull They're out ridiculous. other books and read them from start to finish. And generally, when I get done with a book, I don't ever want to read it again. Mm -hmm. I got enough out of it. The Bible has never done that for me. Mm -hmm. So I, no matter how many times I keep reading the same thing over and over again, I'm seeing new things in fresh ways because yes, it's it's a supernatural crazy. book. It's not meant to be just a normal book that was kind of pulled together. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, so that, that kind of closes the point of the context question. If if it's a supernatural book that was drawn together so that you and I would learn to follow God better, mm -hmm. why wouldn't we want to search the context, right? True. If there's things there that are supposed to help it make more sense to us, why wouldn't I keep reading until I see, oh, and wow. Right. And that's not to say that we need to make like crazy connections that don't exist. That's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah, because that can get... But we need to stop and go, hmm, this seems familiar. Is this pulling from a theme or a, some type of trope uh, that's going to help tell the story in a new way? If that's there, we need to consider it. Let's get practical. Okay. Let's look yes. at, okay, so we're talking about this deeper dive, this idea of the basic storyline of scripture that's supposed to set us up for judges. Yes. Why does it all matter? What do we get practical? What do we get out of this that's practical? So our our typical way, like our modus operandi, if we're going to use a fancy word, mm -hmm. which means it's like the, our normal mode Bring of operation. The, what is that? Latin? Yeah. Yes. Our, our normal mode is let's do things that destroy ourselves and let's do things that destroy other people. But we wouldn't actually say that. That's the thing, too. But it is. It is. That's exactly what we're right? doing. Yeah. I mean, we don't think when we're when we're when we're considering the idea of cheating on our partner, mm -hmm. we aren't running to the to the conclusion of, man, this would be so much fun to do this. I can't wait to do it and hurt everyone around me. Yeah. No. But what we're going to do is wreak havoc yeah. on our own heart, the heart of the person that we're doing this with, the heart of the person that we're betraying, the hearts of all the people in our family that are going to be betrayed by this. Like we are going to do. We're going to burn everything mm -hmm. and we're going to make a massive issue so that we can have a little bit of fun. Well, and that's exactly what Satan does. Like he, right. he's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like that's what comes into your mind right. all the time. It's not that big of a deal. We like, we have this hierarchy of the really bad stuff. Well, I'm not doing that. So like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Right. It's not that big of a deal. But really like, it's the one thing that's actually going to. Right. 
trip us up. And, and it looks whatever. good. It always does. So let's run after it. I mean, it looks good in Eve's eye. So Right. But praise the Lord that we have one. True. Who lived it out perfectly and died for us and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven, proving that he is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. So that you and I now can just cast ourselves at the feet of him and go, I messed up again. Yeah. My heart is wicked. My... My life so doesn't look like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So to get really practical, like if you're listening to this today, if you're messing up right now as a high school student or a college student, throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus. I would suggest stop doing what you're doing. Yes. Because <laughs> you're wreaking havoc on yourself. And that's not to say that you can even do it well on your own. I'm not saying that like you're going to be able to accomplish stopping. But the idea is cast yourself at the mercy of Jesus and then go, I, I, I'm done with this. Yeah. And then every time you start to think about it again. Do it again. Keep casting yourself at Jesus. And when you mess up, cast yourself at the feet of Jesus. Right? And it does get easier. It does. It doesn't completely go away. All Like a lot of the things that I struggle with, I think I will struggle with probably for the rest of my life. Right. But yeah, he's already taken it. Like I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to freak out about it. So look at us old elders telling the young people what to do. God is good. So We've both been there. We've had these moments of our life where we're like, I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. And yet we threw ourselves at the feet of of Jesus and he fixed what was going on. Mm -hmm. Didn't correct all the problems. Like we still had to deal with all the consequences of that stuff. Oh yes. Oh yes. But God was good. Gave us mercy Mm -hmm. like we asked for. And we ultimately went in a different direction. That's beautiful. And I know when I was specifically in college, I remember this wanting to be rid of all of my junk. I was like, I just want it gone. And I, and I, was like, I'm, I, I see it now. I figure it out. So now just take it. And I do remember somebody saying to me, you know, for one thing, all this junk has been building for 20 some years. It's not going to go away overnight. Right. But also some of those things actually make you the unique person you are. So they probably won't actually go away, which transformed then how I looked at them. Right. Not that I was like, yes, I have these things, but Right. I was no longer pleading with God to just take them. I was pleading with God to transform them. Correct. Instead of just take them away. Because I actually came to be like, I do like who I am. So let's, those yeah. things don't need to be removed. Yeah. I just need God to continue to transform them. That's which a he whole does. lot of theology wrapped in just a few minutes. No, You're it's, and it's great. Like, yeah, it's that's beautiful. the practical. Right. Yeah. And the idea there is <laughs> he will fix the problem, but you have to understand it's going to take time. Yeah. And I, I think we all want an overnight fix. Oh, we do. We and that's so do. just not how it works. Mm-hmm. And so Very you're going to see that even with the book of Judges, like God's going to raise up these individuals to fix the problem. It's going to take them longer than you'd expect. And also it's going to slip right back to the way it used to be a lot faster than you'd like. So there's, uh, uh, we're jumping ahead, but there's going to be so yes. much practical drippiness that's going on with uh-huh. the whole thing. I think the big thing for me too, as I look at the storyline of the Bible is there are a lot of really, really messed up people in it. Mm-hmm. And God's plan oh my gosh, so <laughs> is ultimately accomplished. It's mm. so when I look at that, I go, my family line, and I, I love you all. Like if you're listening to this, that's this isn't a thing about you know your evil or anything. But the idea is our families are so messed up, and there's so many people in our lives that have influenced us, probably against the way of God. Yeah, more oh, than yeah. they even more than they even meant to. Like they might be saying, we love God too, but they they taught you things that you should never have learned. Yeah. But it's okay. You're, even though you're from a really messed up situation, potentially, and I'm sure all of us feel like that mm-hmm. is our truth with our lives, God is capable of 
totally riding the ship. Well, Erica, you have a strong passion toward pastoral counseling, and you have a master's degree in Christian ministries Mm -hmm. with what we think is an emphasis in pastoral counseling. Yes. But you're good at doing that. So we thought, what better way to utilize your counseling skills than to have you Enneagram people from the Bible? So this is a segment we're going to call Enneagram Me. At least for this week. (laughs) Yeah, this is the unnamed (laughs) segment. So we wanted to Enneagram two characters from week one. One, Abram or Abraham. Mm -hmm. The other one, Yeshua or Joshua as we call them. For us modern folk. So. Yeah, so I love the Enneagram. Um, You're technically, as a disclaimer, not supposed to really type people. So we're just going to kind of talk about um, what things they show that kind of looks like they might be a certain type. So we're not going to like specifically say that they're those types because Enneagram really goes off motives. And so they might, who knows what they're actually thinking when they're doing what they're doing. So, um, for a background, there are nine types. We technically all have portions of them in us, but you naturally are bent towards different types. So Abraham does a lot of things that kind of put him at the nine, which is a peacemaker, which a lot of people are like, oh, that sounds so great. Who doesn't want to be a peacemaker? But really you put almost your whole self aside and your opinions and your thoughts just to not rock the boat. So when he kind of allows Lot to do what he wants to do. When he decides to take the maidservant as his whatever you want to call it for the evening. um, And doesn't really, at least from what we see in the text, doesn't really put up a fight. Um, We kind of put that as a, I'm putting my own things aside so that I can keep peace with everyone. So when you first hear peacemaker, you think somebody that actually like brings um, both sides and brings conflict to to resolution, but really a peacemaker in a more unhealthy way is one that just avoids it so that they can keep the peace. So I kind of think that he he does a lot of that. So they can be a jellyfish. Yeah. Someone yeah. who just kind of wiggles and goes where they want to go. Mm-hmm. But he does show um, he does show some progress that later on he doesn't seem as wishy-washy. Like when He's asked to take and sacrifice Isaac. He does not question, which could be also the peacemaker, but I think waiting for that person, waiting for Isaac, I feel like you would have wanted a little bit more pushback with God, but he is moving towards action, which is what a peacemaker really needs to be doing to be healthy. They need to push towards action because they a lot of times don't. They kind of become lazy and they don't act. So he does, which um, shows that he does progress and becomes a little bit more healthy, if he were indeed to be a nine, which we don't know. I think it's interesting. There's actually a Jewish school of thought that has suggested that Abram should have pushed back with the Isaac situation, Mm. that actually what God was doing there was opening an opportunity for him to do sort of what Moses does later and say, God, this is not like you. Why would I give my son up? So I think that's interesting that a, that a school of thought has that and that kind of supports that, the idea of what you're talking about with Peacemaker. Yeah, yeah. Joshua, 
The name Yeshua in Hebrew means he saves. Joshua's a big part of the land story. So what is Joshua? Joshua, his behaviors seem to put him in the one camp. Um, a one is a perfectionist. So they, and their motive mainly is like thinking of what could happen if they didn't stick to their morals. And so their morals kind of are everything. I find him to be a very resolute person when he talks about, you know, for me and my house, like you guys can choose what you want to do, but for me, we're going to serve the Lord. Like you, you make up your mind, but we're doing this. He's, yeah, he's very resolute. He's very, I think, sticks to his guns. I don't see him wish, wishy-washy a lot. So I would say that um, I feel like he's more of a black and white person too with, um, I don't feel like he sees a whole lot of gray, which I think is more of a one attribute. Um, so yeah, I would put him as more of a perfectionist wanting to do it right. So I think that that's where he would be. Yeah, we, and we see a lot of Joshua, obviously in the book of Joshua and then starting in Exodus and moving on when you know, he's around Moses in various places. But I, I, sure, that sounds good. The disclaimer that I'm going to put on this is I have no desire to like the Enneagram, <laughs> nor do uh, I want to be typed, nor do I really care. So I love that we're doing it. I think it's a fun little segment to think mm-hmm. about characters in the Bible and what they might have been. Uh, you know, I, I would be curious about, you know, if we did like a disc profile or all these other things. But, mm-hmm, Enneagram's, very a, true. but Enneagram's a fun one to do because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. I am very passionate about it. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't want to really know that much about it. Is that true? You're pointing something out that I, <laughs> I strongly enjoy learning things. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I have no desire to learn this, yes, that seems to be a problem in my own heart. The contrarian aspect of me is just really fun, which makes me a four. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, you have no idea what you're talking about. So we here at the Yamcast, thanks, Alex, for the name. Shout out. We want to talk about just young adult ministry. You're going to hear that peppered throughout the whole podcast. Anyway, every time we go through you know, the deeper dive or some of these other things, obviously, that's what we're talking about. But we want to also just take a few minutes at the end of each episode to sort of explain yeah, how to do it, maybe how to incorporate it. So it's a little different than let's get practical. Yeah, let's call this the yam spot. So when you're thinking about doing young adult ministry in general, I think one of the big things, if you haven't heard it yet, is it's important to make the Bible come to life. We are a a media-driven culture, right? Yes. Everything we see, everything we do, everything we're exposed to is a picture. And there was a Sunday school a book written years ago that I read when I was in seminary and it, it has stuck in my head and it's part of why I teach the Bible the way I do. She said uh, in the Sunday school book, she said that everyone is just sort of putting their lesson together on a Saturday night before they teach Sunday school on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. She said, why wouldn't Sunday school be the most amazing, interactive, ex- amazing experience that's possible? You know? Yeah. And that's obviously my, my loose quote of this. Uh, but her idea was just, yeah, let's just make it come to life and be amazing and beautiful so that people fall more in love with the Bible instead of not taking it seriously. So I think if we're going to teach yammers, right, young adult ministry people, there's so many words I want to come up with. I've been coming up with words all week about just yam. Uh, Anyway, but if you think about it, why wouldn't we make the Bible come to life so they can see it, visually experience it? 
And there's not a lot of great things out there for that. So if you're a filmmaker listening to this, start making some really good content. Even shorts of stories would be awesome. But if you're not going to go that direction, if you're teaching God's word, make it come to life. And it doesn't have to be stupid and kitschy and be like, hey, Jesus is my homie, so you should hang out with him too. Right? That's not what we're talking about. We're just saying... Let them see it. Let them experience it. Let them really dig into it. And so you got to do your research. You got to spend some time making the Word of God come to life. So I think that's a good practical thing to think about uh, for our first episode. Thoughts? Yeah. The the tail end of this, the millennial generation, a lot of them have never known what it's like to not have a phone in their hand. I mean, even me, I know what it was like I mean, I think in high school is when I got a cell phone and it was not a smartphone. Like we didn't, we didn't, we played snake, right. you know, that's aging me. Cause a lot of people who are probably listening to this have no idea even what snake is. Um, but they, they have media all the time at their fingertips and they like video. So I'm even thinking like the Bible project, those things are, are very aesthetically pleasing and like they, they draw you in. It's a lot of information in a super small amount of time with that video, but it's a way of visually representing what they're they're hearing. And I think that's a lot of times what it is. Like we need a we need a visual representation to also go along with. Like I want to know what it's like to be there. I want to know what it was like to be um, that person. Even what were their thoughts? What were they thinking? And I think good uh, preachers have done that, and they've made me kind of ask those questions, so that even when I'm doing my own reading, I've been able to put myself in those shoes and start to process what life was actually like or what that situation was actually like, which makes it, yeah, as you said, come to life and that much more real. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Yamcast. Yes, thank you. We'd like to give a special shout out to our friend Brian who made the music and we also are looking forward to meeting you, whether that's through the website, like we said, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills church app you can find it on all the app stores and then also we will have an instagram called the amcast instagram so if you have any questions or anything yeah just don't hesitate to uh to reach out or if you have any things that you would like us to to talk more about let us know